Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Today's date is October 4th, 2021. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with Steve. Hello. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to have you back, buddy. Our clothes look very similar to a couple weeks back. A couple weeks ago. Uh, laundry. Oh, yeah, I did that, too. Yeah, I think it's just it's just coincidence. Laundry's good. Yeah, laundry's good. And I really wondered when people said, hey, didn't you wear that two weeks ago? It's like... <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm I, always I, repping my boys in the Phoenix Within. And I'm always <laughs> representing my boys in the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> always. So, um, have you encountered anything new or interesting the past couple weeks? Yeah, so it's been about close to a month now since uh, the two iconic hip-hop albums of the year were released in Donda Mm -hmm. and Certified Lover Boy by Drake. So I'm ready to make my stance. (laughs) I didn't want to speak on Certified Lover Boy because I had mentioned Donda several times coming out um, and then CLB kind of hit right after that. And it's become basically, it was, well, basically was the talk of the internet for months leading up to these albums. So I'm ready to make my stance. I don't want to have another um, fear inoculum moment speaking too soon on something. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because both of the albums I find like extreme flaw in. Um, I think they're good in some rights, but not nearly as good as these people try to argue for. And it really sucks because that's where we're at in the terms of hip hop. What yeah. bothers me about it even more is because I constantly talk about this and have brought it up multiple times. Um, and King's Disease 2 by Nas. There are so many other albums that came out that did not get the notoriety that Donda got, that um, you know, CLB got by Drake. And it sucks because King's Disease 2 by Nas is probably going to go down as my favorite hip-hop album of this year. Um, I honestly, if I had to rate them, I think Drake did a better job. I think Donda was way overhyped to a point where you're trying to look for some creative ingenuity and kind of really fucking fall short of that in the album. Man, it sounds a lot like another album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, um, but yeah, I, at the end of the day, man, I, it just sucks. I hate that this is the one time where the internet really fucking can get under your skin and hyping something up through social media to where it finally comes to fruition. And then you have a level of expectation. It's like when a fucking Netflix show comes out and you got to hear about it from your friends and family for a month and then you put it on. Yep. And like, I can't even enjoy it now because now in the back of my head, I'm thinking about the 50 odd people that said it was the best thing they've ever seen. And in my head, like still doesn't beat The Sopranos. Like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> about um so yeah king's disease 2 as of today best hip-hop album of 2021 going off of what you just said about the sopranos another jerry bruckheimer series lucifer jerry bruckheimer yeah jerry bruckheimer did lucifer okay i say it i say it in past tense did lucifer because it was his final season um season six premiered on netflix uh, uh september 10th and um, like I thought I was gonna be able to like sit back and like like really just like uh you know I'll watch it a week at a time and you know I'm not gonna rush through it. It is the final season, but I couldn't help myself, so I rushed through the rest of the series and uh, or the rest of that season. And um, I've been on the loose for bandwagon for a long time. Yeah, you've brought this up many a times. Yeah, I can tell you now, it's not a Game of Thrones thing. I can tell you from watching it from start to finish, 
you will enjoy the entire series. Yeah, Game of Thrones could have been in my top three if it wasn't for those last couple seasons. Yeah, this uh, Lucifer was just great. I'm actually, I like, I feel like, like I'm like emotionally attached to this show, and now that it's over, it's like, what the fuck am I gonna do now? I haven't. I haven't found a new show to get myself extremely dedicated to in quite some time. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen You. No. So You's coming out with a new season, and that's the last newer series, I think, that I've been able to kind of binge when it comes on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cliche. It's like one of those shows is just constantly fucking brought up. But um, Lucifer, we talked about this many times because there was a time where I really started to watch it and then just totally stopped. I did the same thing with Dexter. Yeah, it took me a long time to get into Dexter. I I had heard so much about it, it was already totally done. I was like, cool, I can literally watch it from start to finish if I want to. And I would start that for, and I got a couple episodes, and I'm just like, ugh, ugh. But well, I I also know some shows like eventually do grip you. Yeah, my problem is is like if it's a show that I wasn't on my intent looking for. Yeah, it was also someone's word. Like it's hard for me to like get through those first couple episodes to get you. Actually, it's funny too if I remember correctly. I think it was in the very beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. I'm like, I called you and I'm like, dude, you got to watch this show. Keep bringing this up. Yeah. (laughs) I actually, which sucks because I probably should have invested my time because I wound up finally going back to American Horror Story 84. I think it was called the last season that was released before the new one. And I pushed that off for years. Like, I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. It was horrible. Dude. It was fucking horrible, man. And I don't know. I think it's because of long-term series. The further back I get in them as seasons release, then I get to a point like, I might as well just wait for it to be over and then kind of go on into it. <laughs> That's what I did with Dexter. Dead ass. I just, the last couple seasons were coming out and I just refused to get That's started. Funny. <laughs> um, Yeah, well, the final season of Lucifer, it just uh, brings the whole show full circle. Like, basically back to the very beginning. And, um... Very good show. I feel like it was... Spoiler alert. Well, I mean, that's up to interpretation, however you feel that what I just said meant. Okay. Because when you watch it, you'll understand. You'll go, okay. All right. It's not a spoiler alert. Okay. Well, the show's been out for... The season's been out for over a month. Yeah, it's your fault if you're being spoiled. (laughs) Fuck it. Music-wise, however, the band Camino released a new album, coincidentally, on the same day. Oh. And, um... I was really dick hard about the band Camino for a long time because I thought they were going to be something different and they were going to like revitalize like the whole pop rock thing and kind of bring it into a new realm. But um, let's just say I don't think the pandemic did them too well. Not happy about it. No. Well, they released their self-titled album, the band Camino. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not necessarily going to say my wife doesn't have good taste in music because that's not true. But you mean the assistant? To- yeah, the assistant to the assistant regional <laughs> manager. She um, she loved it. She thought it was great. Okay. Then again, she really likes the band Camino. I I I really did like them, but now you know, being a media personality, and you know, I'm supposed to be crucial on things like this. I started thinking about it in a new light, and I'm like, well. Their last album was really good, uh, Try Hard. That came out in 2019. It was, it was. I thought it was great. I thought it was one of the best albums to come out in 2019. And um, this new one, they took a whole new approach, and it's like 
full blown pop. It's like some shit you'd hear on like one oh four or five. It's just like, what did you do? Like they like they it seemed like they were going in a direction to be like like the premier like rock band. Like something like Foo Fighters type level band. And now they're like that literally they're like a twenty one pilots ripoff now. Oh. Yeah. It was a devastating blow. It's like the uh, the Black Keys effect. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you get too big to your own good, and then you yep. start to yeah conform a little bit. Well, if you still like the band Camino, you can catch them uh, currently on tour with Dan and Shay, if that's any constellation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. On this day in music history. On this day, October 4th. 1969 Creedence Clearwater Revival's LP Green River hits number one fucking great album yeah that is a great that is probably my favorite Creedence album front to back because Creedence we talk about this like where compilation bands kind of come in the mix mm-hmm. Creedence for me was like almost there because they have so many hits everywhere else yeah but this album is like dude it's like front to back this is a very yeah. very good album I mean I, I still really really like uh, Chronicles of course, that's what I'm, and that's what I'm saying. Like that, that to me, that's that is the equivalent CD that you would see like with Back in Black being in someone's like CD rack that yeah. like grew up in the 70s. Like I'm that's pretty sure my grandmother had Chronicles. Yeah, Chronicles. <laughs> you go to um, there's two albums that you're guaranteed to see at every fucking secondhand CD store, and it's Chronicles and Green by REM. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guaranteed <laughs> you search the rem section it'll be 16 copies of green oh my god it's so funny <laughs> chronicles somewhere <clears throat> moving along here uh 1970 janice joplin is found dead at the landmark hotel in los angeles after a heroin overdose she was just 27 yep devastating blow very sad yeah she was um i mean that era just of music was sad for the artists and their circumstances but um, Janice, I kind of put in that same realm as like Amy Winehouse for her time where like mm. potential of what yeah. could have been, I mean, all those artists when they die that early, but still Janice was like, I mean, so many people still relate back if they're like relating a female singer. She sounds like Jan- Janice, Janice, Jan- like Janice was like that iconic, yep. like very unique voice for her time. Very unique. 1986, the popular newsman, Dan Rather. Technical difficulties. Yep. Dan Rather is attacked by a man who hits him from behind and repeats the phrase Kenneth. What is the frequency? Prompting R.E.M. to write their song. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Literally my favorite R.E.M. song. Really? Yeah. It is a good song. Like, it's literally, like, I, I'm i not a giant R.E.M. fan, yeah. but, like, I heard that song for the first time. I was like, okay, maybe it I'll give a it a try. Song. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty big R.E.M. fan. This is a very good song, though. Um, If you really have an issue, too, Watch REM's Unplug. Yeah. It's fucking great. I'm going to have to check that it's out. It's fucking great. I just, I don't know. I, I like the, I like how like the lyrics of the song are basically like nothing. Yeah. Like it's just But like, that's the great thing about REM that if you can appreciate that, most of their albums are like that in some mm-hmm. of their songs where they're an album band to me. They're an absolute album band. And there's a couple that I, I'll throw your way someday, but trust me. If you can dig that, you'll, there's a lot more. Like I, uh, what is it? The the line in the song is like "smile, dog, cartoon, tooth for a tooth." Yeah, and it's just like what? Yeah, <laughs> it's great. 
1995, Alan Jackson wins the prestigious Entertainer of the Year Award at the annual Country Music Association's award ceremony. Alan Jackson is one of them, like, undeniable 90s country artists like Garth Brooks and Tim McGraw, except Alan Jackson, I feel like, had a little bit more of the, uh, like, the old country western type vibe to his music and to his, you know, just to his being. Um, I think in the grand scheme of, like, the, the, you know, the big four of the country artists around that time, Alan Jackson probably has to be my favorite. Um, Really? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Well, ah, that's that's tough, though, because Garth Brooks. I really love Garth Brooks. Me and Garth go way back. <laughs> nah, but it, it's a, it's definitely a toss-up between Alan Jackson and Garth Brooks for me. I don't have much to weigh in on this. <laughs> I was, I, yeah, I was never into the 90s country wave. I missed that totally. <laughs> totally missed it. It's probably my issue, too, with even trying to digest country because there was no exposure for me to that. Yeah, up. well, that's the thing, too, because if you were to get exposed to it now, there's just bullshit. Every, I was going to say, every person I know that has, like, at least a strong appreciation for country got exposed to it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't seem to be a genre that most people, like, hit 25, hear a song for the first time, and then boom, you know? Well, that's the thing. That's how it is now, because it's all well, fucking infused with pop music, yeah. and there's just, like, the... Like a super fine line and like yeah, just a little bit of a twang. That's why when I say that, I artist. can't operate on those standards no. with certain music. Um, I mean, even genres of music I listen to today, um, more than likely at some point I was already stumbling upon as like a teenager or like preteen. Yeah. Now it's just like evolving at this point. But country is such a like very narrow genre where like everything I've heard in modern time is like a total turn off to even want to get into it. <laughs> I think that was my issue. I really missed out on the wave of like that true country. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll throw some albums your way. Maybe. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Dude, I'll, I'll trade you. I'm open. 1996, That Thing You Do, a musical film starring the writer-director Tom Hanks, who plays the manager of a fictional 60s band, The Wonders, is released to U.S. cinemas. The title track to the film was written by Adam Schlesinger. Schlesinger. Bass player for Fountains of Wayne. I love this movie. Yeah. I I love this movie. It is a Such a good movie. It is a good movie. And that song is really catchy. It is. I, I just... Like I, I just keep like going back to like that one scene, like in the like you know when um when guy joins the band, like they play the talent show, and like the fucking the front man's like all pissed because he fucking starts playing it super fucking fast, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like oh my god we're on to something. Yeah. <laughs> then the whole time all he's trying to do is just like fucking downplay what the band's doing. He's like, yeah, but I have these really good songs. What's even more interesting is '96. This is a very underrated Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, like well, I think at think the about, time it came out, I think it got swallowed in the box. That's office. what I'm saying. If you think about like what he did around that time specifically, um, I mean, I don't know. This is like a, not a movie that gets talked about quite a lot, no, even remotely. I mean, compared to what he did in the '90s. Literally, if you have never seen this movie, do yourself the favor and check it out. It's definitely an underrated Tom Hanks movie. Have you seen this movie? Have Hit I us see- up on our social media. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Is this an underrated bit? No, <laughs> uh, moving forward here to 1999, Jimi Hendrix's half-sister Janie announces her plans to exhume the body of her famous half-brother and move it to a mausoleum where curious onlookers can view it for a price. 
The public outcry forces her to shelve the idea. What a piece of shit. Yeah, I don't really see any way to justify this other than she got some fucking crazy hospital bill and was like, well, I mean, there's plan B. Yeah. Dig up my fucking half-brother and... We'll dig up my brother. Stick his cadaver in a makeshift museum. That's fucking crazy. Well, I can only hope, you know, when I die, I'm going to leave you as executor of my will so you can make sure that I get put in a mausoleum so people can see me. I want to be um stuffed. You want to be stuffed? Yeah, I have a plan that if I can find a taxidermist who's willing to go against ethical code, he'll stuff my body. I'll be in a tuxedo and hopefully... I'll be like balding by then so I can look like a creepy butler <laughs> and I want to get myself passed around by my nephews and niece to put me out as a Halloween decoration. <laughs> I want my arm to be in a specific fashion to hold a plate. Yeah. And so like I'll be a little Halloween decoration out there and you know, it'll be like, you know, my niece Stephanie will have it one October in like 2016 and she'll be telling my nephew, it's your turn to take Uncle Steve. You know what I mean? Yeah, like right? it's your, it's your year, you know, like they got to put me out every year and it'll be a little bond where my fucking <laughs> stuffed corpse is just on their porch holding candy well if that's what your goal is and your ultimate plan yep if you so happen to pass before me i'll try to make sure that Please this don't. happens yeah make sure i'm stuffed all right <laughs> you heard it here first folks what do you think what do you think about ethical code <laughs> oh jesus christ speaking of ethical codes yeah 2005 nickelback <laughs> released their fifth album all the right reasons with the hit photograph Far Away and Rockstar goes to number one in their native country of Canada and also in the U.S. where it sells over 10 million. Wow. Yeah. Yep. That's diamond. What's, um, see, this is, again, there's never been a point in my life where I wanted to listen to Nickelback. Yeah. But. I will say that there have been many points in my life where Nickelback was on and it wasn't like, like some people like treat it like they're getting triggered, like a high pitched noise and like, get it off the right. No, like it doesn't bother me like that. But for 2005, you know, and this goes even to like just most recently with uh, Iron Maiden's new album, their highest charting album ever. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the way networks are today and how you can access music. Yeah. Which sucks because, you know, when you talk about like singles, like, is this really a single because of the way it charted as opposed to like, no, like it's a single in our mind because it's just, that's how it was released and that's what it was intended for. And that's how good it is. Like, this is a single by the band. Like, it's a very misconstrued perception. But in reality, a single is how it charts. Yeah. In this case, in 2005, to chart like that, right before the turn of like... MP3s and streaming. Yeah. I mean... Hate all you want. I mean, as much as I'll hate as well, but you can't deny that level of ability. Call it marketing. Call it average at best talent. Whatever. 10 million copies. I mean, in that era. Yeah. And even crazier, I believe at this point in time in 2005, for reference, Van Halen 1 had only sold 10 million copies. Wow. Yeah. That's even different, though. And actually, that's weirder because back then, that's really all you had your access to. Yeah. Was purchase. I'll fact check this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting to know. <coughs> Stay tuned for that answer. <laughs> so, why don't you wrap us up here in 2008 while I look this up? I would like to. Can't see it, though. 
Technical difficulties. <laughs> 2008, Darius Rucker, known as the frontman for 90s pop band Hootie and the Blowfish, hits number one on the country chart with his first country single, Don't Think I Don't Think About It. Wow. Don't Think I Don't Think About It. Okay. Tongue twister. Don't Think mm-hmm. I Don't Think About It. Yeah. Making him the first African-American singer to top the tally since 1985 when Ray Charles hit the top with... Seven Spanish Angels, a duet with Willie Nelson. Um, so, fun fact. Um, Only Want to Be With You by Hootie and the Blowfish was arguably my mom's favorite song of all time. That song was played on so many fucking occasions to me as a kid. Between that and Thriller by Michael Jackson are like almost the embodiment of like my early, early childhood. And it's hilarious because... Growing up with Hootie and the Blowfish and Michael Jackson, who would have thought that at some point I'd be, you know, stoked to review Torn Arteries by Carcass. You know, it's just, that's what I love about music. You never really know the transition of tides and what's going It's gonna, wherever it takes you. It's wherever it takes you. It's wherever it takes me, man. Nope, nope. Uh, Van Halen 1. Back to that fact check. Yeah, back to the fact check. Van Halen 1 in 1996 had finally reached 10 million copies. Oh, okay, so... But we're also talking like 20 years. Okay. 20 years to reach something that Nickelback did in a fucking year. It only took him a year to hit that mark? It was released in 05. Yeah, it goes to number one. It goes to number one, but it sells over 10 million copies. How long did it take to reach that point? Let me fact check that one. Yeah, that's because it doesn't say, and it sold, sells over 10 million copies the day it hits the fucking chart. Like, Immediately, day one, 10 million yeah, copies sold mad. first day. <laughs> <laughs> Which is that, that, see, again, that goes back to like the streaming setup where... To March in uh, March 2017. Yeah, so it took 12 years. Yeah, 12 years. So it was still shot. I mean... yeah. But to put it in, in the gra- compa- I mean, in the perspective of Van Halen to versus Nickelback, yeah, exactly topic of discussion. Like they did it in a shorter What's amount even of time. More amazing is like there's just so much absolute hatred towards Nickelback. So Dude. now my question is, how many of those people were part of the purchasing that have outwardly spoken against, like that have like closeted Nickelback love? You know what I mean? To sell get the- at us on our <laughs> social media accounts. Is that you? Because <laughs> seriously, I mean, you're hitting that the, type of chart. There's 10 million fucking people there's out there that bought that out. out there uh, that I'm guaranteeing the percentage of them that be like, you're fucking Nickelback. But yeah. they're at home like, bottom of everybody. Come like, they're out Dude, there. Dude, that's why I said they're it since day one of this show. Are you a closeted Nickelback fan? I'm not Hit closeted us up at, our, at all. I know. You've, <laughs> you've, you've hourly spoken out and come out to the Nickelback community. <laughs> uh, but going back to this Darius Rucker thing. Um, Hootie. Hootie. Oh my God! You ever see that that, that skit in uh, Key and Peele? <laughs> Hootie. I'm not Hootie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my name is Darius Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> but this makes me think, right? So we kind of touched on this a little bit um, in a previous episode a while back, and I forget exactly how we had discussed the topic. But Darius Rucker, like the transformation, the you know, we almost did like a when keeping it real goes wrong. We almost did when artists try to completely change their direction, but kind of like maintain. 
mm-hmm. this case, I mean, the 180 concept, right? Yeah. Like, to ability to just shift your entire... Um, everything. Everything, basically. Yeah. To change your whole style, your sound, your genre, and keep a credibility and be able to be successful in doing it. Yes. I thought we could just kind of go down maybe some of ours that we noticed that are able to create that 180... And we don't even have to say that they maintained a level of success, but just able to make that transition and kind of just continue to perpetuate music. Well, for starters, my uh, my first one here is the Beastie Boys. Okay. Oh, yeah. Star as a punk band. Yep. Decided one day, you know, fuck it. I don't want to talk about them too much because we'll talk about the Beastie Boys, but just in that context, the Goo Goo Dolls also strike out to me, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Did you ever hear the Goo Goo Dolls' first album? No. Dude, it's like like punk. Well, that's the same thing as Sugar and Ray. I, yeah, I think that's hilarious, because yeah. you would never fucking know. No. It's so weird. Yeah, Sugar Ray was on my list for that. Okay. <laughs> so, Beastie Boys. Stick yeah. with them for a moment. Um, I mean, obviously, this was... Um, this was definitely the right choice for them. 100%. 100% and the right so choice. And so fucking weird because they were almost like satirical about it completely. Yeah. And it became so accepted and like, yeah. It's like, like badass for a point of time. Well, it's funny because like, I know like a while back I uh, suggested, uh, my one suggestion was uh, Anthrax's Eye and the Man. Yes. And you think about the way that rap was in that in that song. The way that song was structured, the way the vocals were, it's the exact same way that the Beastie Boys do their shit. Hundred percent. Like you know, you have like the like the guy doing like just like a normal ass like fucking voice, then like uh, like uh, trying to think, because of course, like any other time, I'd fucking be able to pull a Beastie Boys quote out of my ass, but I can't think of one right now. I know. Like you rock around the clock, like yeah. that kind of shit. Yeah. And like that's we're a on style. The spot. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was a style that they adopted and they made their own completely yeah and you know there was kind of like a I mean, public to enemy had that as well yeah uh like flavor flavor was like really big like it was like almost the hype man vibe yeah and be- but it was funny because beastie boys added a level of rock music to it in a sense that you would see become prominent in a lot of fucking mashups later on yeah they which- licensed to ill yeah open up doorways Mm -hmm. for so many crossovers like type you know genre choices and like being able to mash i mean like jay-z and lincoln park situation um but yeah i think the beastie boys it's funny because i forget what i was watching and that was brought up in that you know even when they were being interviewed like they had no clue like what they were doing in terms of like how big this was going to get because yeah and i i think some artists like obviously i i can i can get behind them feeling that way yeah. Like nobody really goes into certain things like we're going to make a billion dollars doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, some people I'm sure do. Some people really have a high hope that their hit songs that they play over and over on their cassette is going to be a big fucking hit one day. Yeah. And they're just going to keep writing singles, apparently. Like people do that, apparently. Yeah. Out there in the world. <laughs> and yeah. but the BC Boys, it was like a humble experience to know that. Not only did they not know, and they were also coming into it with more of a joking mentality that how fucking easy it caught on. Yeah. Like, talk about an opportunity 
catching with the time, like immediately. Yeah, they were literally the epitome of the right place, the like, right literally, time. Literally, if, if the Beastie Boys tried to get established today, oh no, be written fly. off, yeah, like completely. It would be a joke, hundred percent. But like, it's funny though because they kind of did like a return to form there with sabotage. Yes, you know, it was kind of like okay, so the rumors were song. true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like these guys can play their instruments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so the Beastie Boys and Sugar Ray, both punk acts. I mean Sugar Ray obviously went into a totally different direction. Yeah. Uh Mark McGrath. Bloodbath McGrath from Wild Wild West. <laughs> oh, Bloodbath McGrath. Bloodbath McGrath. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. Right? Okay. That makes it even funnier. <laughs> um, <laughs> one that always really, it always annoyed me. Yep. Was Maroon 5. Like, yeah. I remember when songs about Jane came out. Yeah. And I remember hearing it and, and like, knowing, like, as a kid, like, this is, like, a good band. Like, they were a legitimately good alternative rock band or, you know, adult, adult contemporary fucking band. Yeah. And there's, like, a level of talent within that group. And as a whole, they were just, they were just incredible. And Adam Levine had a really good fucking, he had very good fucking vocal abilities. They were just an extremely good band. And... For some reason or another, they fucking decided on the fact that Adam Levine was going to be this fucking front guy. It was weird because there was a point in time when I remember Maroon 5, Mm -hmm. like, was a very banned atmosphere. Yeah. And it was very, like, I mean, I wouldn't say, like, the killers, but it was kind of, like, heading that direction, just more pop, more acceptable, like, you know overall because of like the music videos and the perception and persona they had but it was funny because then like out of nowhere you're still seeing maroon five but Mm -hmm. i couldn't tell you another fucking dude's name in that band exactly i only know james valentine's a guitar player yeah and even that like that name doesn't even fucking sound like a household like a household amenity like but adam levine yeah it just yeah i don't know what i guess it makes sense because of like that was the particular culture of music at that point. Was mm-hmm. Like honing in on a personality as opposed to a level of talent, especially in that level of music. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't the Black Keys getting started. It wasn't the Lumineers in modern time where you're driven by a band, Mumford or Sons either. Mm-hmm. Like never at any point is a front man standing out to be what he was, like performing at Super Bowls and Exactly, shit. by himself. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like... So, it's it's just crazy to me because the the level of talent within that group was so fucking huge. Yeah, and I mean, who knows? Maybe they're all recluses and like uh, they just didn't like the spotlight or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, anything's possible. But I it just always annoyed me because I felt like as a band and as a group they left so much on the table. Yeah, and to go in a direction of pop, it was just a waste of fucking talent. In yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I I agree because again. That that era of music was a very weird time. Like there was mm-hmm. no driving genre of music. No. I mean, like you think of Matchbox Twenty. Yeah, early hip hop was I would say be dominating in the two early two thousands. Yeah, like I would say that'd be the most diamond dominating force. But I mean, metal was fucked up. You know, rock and roll was fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then you had the opportunity for these pop acts to come out. And 
I mean, even like Fallout Boy kind of did the same exact shit. Yeah. Where they went into a very industrial. Back of the disco. Yeah. Like they went into a very electronic using synthesizer. Like they went way away from like what their fan base was establishing. Yeah. Like you listen to Grand Theft Autumn. Yeah. Versus, you know, then like from under the cork tree. Exactly. And then you go on. They're yeah. like an entirely different band now. They're not even close to the same Fallout And it's very boy. weird, but I also understand because this is where we get in the debate with a certain band about a certain album, which is their fifth full-length release that just came out with an anniversary edition, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to go any further to discuss this. Yeah, we're not going to say it. Sometimes no. there's just a level of involvement, I think, that happens with these artists yeah. where they feel a need to adjust. But this is, again, why I get scared is the idea that is it like a personal thing or are you like, this is where you want to go? Is this your creativity evolution that you're taking advantage of? This is the direction you were planning on going, or is it because this is what's popular right now? Maybe we should switch it up. Well, I feel like bringing in that particular album is unfair to the conversation. I know. I'm just saying because of they, they were still in the same wheelhouse and they were technically in, still in like the same genre. <laughs> Yeah, but it was still like you knew that 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 was them. It's not like you had, you know, yeah, the one it, guy taking the front and like changing it, you know, singer songwriter style. I get that, style, but you know it's I mean? still like the idea with let's say we're talking Darius Rucker, you know, changing a genre choice. You want to say wheelhouse? That's cool, total wheelhouse. Yeah, but if you put you know track one against track one off of the red and white <laughs> colored album versus this colored album, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, no, but, I know what you mean, but. I mean, in certain cases, because um, one of them that we'll talk about that was the most shocking, I think, in recent time for me was Machine Gun Kelly. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, the rap I, devil. I didn't even know that this happened. And we've mentioned him before on this show with the situation that's mm-hmm. going on with him. First of all, I mean, the man's doing fine for himself. Yeah. That's no secret. Um, I don't know what's going on with Travis Barker out there. I hope you're doing all right, dude. I don't know. I just seeing you out there. The limelight with him constantly, but just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Music's still going good, but. Well, guy apparently looks, he's he madly in old. love with Kourtney Kardashian. He just Kardashian. looks old. And it's like sad because that guy was like, you know, I loved Blink growing up and he just looks yeah. old out there. Well, he was like that guy that was never supposed to get old. I know. You know? Yeah. Like, he was, like, that guy that was supposed to be young forever. I know. It's just kind of awkward seeing, like, the four of them all together. And, like, Machine Gun Kelly looks like the 22-year-old kid hanging out like, the 47-year-old. Like, it just <laughs> looks weird out there. Either He's way. Hanging out with his uncle because his uncle's yeah, a drummer. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but his uncle's cool as fuck. So, yeah. like, actually cooler than you. So, yeah, we accept it. But anyway, um, the Machine Gun Kelly thing is funny to me because... And we talked about this before because I listened to some of the songs. And Halsey, the one song he does with her particularly... I like. I kind of got into it for a period of time because I like Halsey. Mm. I do like Halsey. And either way, that shit, like, I don't know how you do that. I just, like, you went from a very respectable artist in hip-hop and rap. You were a good lyricist. You yeah. made some very good songs. You were very well known. And with no rhyme or reason other than one possible factor we're now we're best down on one possible factor through a lot of controversy and heat and battling you know, all of a sudden he's like i'm gonna do pop punk and bro like pop punk to me is a genre of music where you can be very accepted as long as you have loyalty to the genre oh yeah you know because every pop punk fan i know it's hilarious because they're like just as tough as like 
hardcore street punks that listen to like GBH or the adolescents, but they're wearing really colorful shit and they go to warp tour. But they're just as you know ambitious about their genre. Like yep. Every pop punk kid I met loves their fucking genre, <laughs> and it's it's just such a weird genre to break into, especially when you've already had a very established career as a hip hop artist. But again, there's that one plausible factor of why this happened. Yeah, when you're um, what was the line when you're uh, when your heroes become your rivals or something? Yeah, wasn't that the wasn't that the line? Something along those lines. Either way. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think yeah. of what the actual lyric was. Doesn't matter right now. When your fans become your haters. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Or at least that's what the other guy said. Yeah. Okay. Why are we saying the other guy? Why don't we just say who it is? Yeah. Eminem. Yeah. <laughs> Ruin the man's career. Literally, I like I like I'm like I tried to put it into perspective, like what would it take for someone to do something to me for me to just completely give this up? Like it would have to be a lot. Yeah. Like I think in terms of hip hop, it's getting like chewed out by an aging Eminem, which means this is the thing about it. This in sports terms would be the equivalent of Troy Aikman coming in. Troy Aikman going out there for the Dallas Cowboys (laughs) and winning them a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because and against like the Kansas City Chiefs of all teams, you know what I mean? Like that is beyond embarrassing because in his prime, you could accept it. Yeah. You know, in his prime, you could accept something of that nature because of the talent and the ability. Yeah. But to go out there and just by a namesake still get beat <laughs> in your craft. Or, you know, going out on the field and getting your shit pushed in by Emmett Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know what I mean? It yep. would it'd be like Jake Paul going out there today and fighting Muhammad Ali's corpse and losing. Yeah. You know, because again, Eminem to me in his recent years is not nearly as talented as he's been. No. Even the feature that he does on Nas's album that I've I've stressed many, many times, his lyrical content is his style, but mm-hmm. it's so it feels a little forced. It feels like he's trying to st- it doesn't have the same flow, it doesn't have the same energy, it doesn't have the same like this was something very creative I came up with. This was yeah. like, no, how Many words can I fit into a 30 segment block and make them all rhyme and sound, you know, like weave like spaghetti noodles, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but to go in, the whole thing developed a lot of attention for MGK, which was crazy because he didn't need it. No, he was already good. I was an MGK fan. I really liked what he did with um, Waka Flocka Flame and the oh, call me Steve. Oh, like that. He had so many songs early on in those like 2012 ish time. Where he was already like well established. Like, why did you do this? Yeah. What did you think was going to happen? I really, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And what's best about it is, is through the whole comment section of everything that I had to read about this situation, of course, like, I had to read. And you would get the same people saying the same things about Eminem and how great he is and blah, blah, blah. And then the, oh, he's old and, blah, and you could tell which era was arguing against each yeah. other. Um, but then as soon as it ended, Eminem just kept doing his thing and MGK disappeared. And next thing you know, a pop punk album surfaces. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's playing a pink telecast. What the fuck (laughs) happened? Like, are we ever going to get a definitive answer on, you know, why the career change? Why the genre choice? And I don't want to hear like, oh, I was an SLC punk too. Like I've always been a punk fan because nah, like, okay, cool. But 
bro, like, you don't just say, guess what? I'm really enjoying hip hop for this many years, making money off of it and actually being good at it. So it doesn't seem like yeah. you're just some like Justin Bieber puppet up there, you know, being a face of a popular culture of fans. Mm-hmm. You were good. So you liked it to some point. Yeah. What do you think? Do you want uh, Machine Gun Kelly on our show? Do you want Steve to ask this faithful question? I want answers. I want them. If any, want if em. anybody uh, listening to the show has any kind of uh, connection with the with uh, Machine Gun Kelly, give us your UK. fan theories. Yeah. <laughs> Why did Machine Gun Kelly go from respectable hip hop to a pink Telecaster and pop punk? <laughs> I need answers. Um, <laughs> ask not what you want me to shoot. No, just, no, 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 no. Uh, one of the last ones, or actually the last one I got written down here is the Beach Boys. Yeah. So, you know, you have the early work of the Beach Boys, very surf rock oriented, mm-hmm. you know, basically like the equivalent of like a punk band, I guess, for around that time, like very simple music. And a uh, very simple message to get across. Then all of a sudden you get pet sounds. Yeah. And it's just an entirely different fucking band. Yeah. Like entirely different. I mean, it all has to do with the genius of Brian Wilson. Of course. Which, which he totally is. But um, to go from, you know, I don't know, to go from Serving USA to Good Vibrations. Like, it's not even the same band. Yeah. I mean, and that's the funny thing too. Like... If the vocals in the Beach Boys weren't so iconic, right? You probably wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Yeah. You wouldn't know it was the same band. Like, you think about it, then, like, all right, even worse. Think about fucking, I don't know. Think about fucking 409 versus Kokomo. <laughs> <coughs> you know, when the Beach Boys had, a, a, you know, a, uh, <laughs> you know, a young John Stamos on their percussions. So great. <laughs> So good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do like that song a lot. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, you like that song because of when you heard it. There's no way you're just like jamming out to yeah. that just on the regular. <laughs> There's a difference between like liking a song because it's that a good. Or, it. Yeah. Or it's just like, wow, this is like, I remember this song as a like kid. If I'm, like if I'm looking to just like, just be in a car and like know the words to songs. Like, like if it comes on the that. radio, I'm not going to, yeah. like I might change it. But you gotta have something better than that. There's not like yeah. I anything will work at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like that, that's my radio. You'll do the scan through, and if you don't find yeah, nothing, you'll go back. That's the best way I can relate. And music then you'll be singing that. Aruba, yeah. Jamaica. Come over. Yeah, <laughs> Stop, we're not doing that. That's we're not doing that. We we're not doing over. that. Um, yeah, but that that's a very very good point with that band because that is something that unless the vocals were not as iconic as they were no fucking clue. yeah you'd have no idea no that that was the beach clue. boys i mean it's just it's just incredible i mean that that also goes back to like we were talking about like in season one like the evolution or de-evolution of an artist but literally you would never know it was the same band yeah. Ever. Well, I mean, technically it wasn't the same band. It was just the same vocalist. And then they just went out and played the shit while Brian Wilson stayed home and just wrote more genius shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of all I got from my list. You got any more? No, I think we can settle on that. What do you think? <laughs> is there 
artists that we completely missed out on? I mean, I, th- there's got to be some. I mean, you got the moving sidewalks. You know, mm-hmm. with was the early ZZ Top formation. Oh, yeah. Bon Scott was in some stuff early on before he got into ACDC. Um, and I mean, again, I think it's harder to rationalize the difference in like an evolving artist between that like 180 differential. Yeah. Because, again, I don't know many artists that completely do a flip. Like when we talk about like Darius Rucker and like MGK and guys that like you wouldn't know that this is the same person. Exactly. If time goes on long enough and the only thing last remaining is, let's say, MGK's punk album, and that's the only thing for some reason because there's another fire at some studio and everything burns up, these people could be like, oh, this guy yeah. used to be a hip-hop artist. Like, meh. Yeah. You know, vice versa. Like, you find this... I mean, I'm not even kidding you. When you told me that, man, because again... MGK is not on like my top 50 hip hop artists or anything like that, but I liked him. Yeah. He was good, good shit. When you told me that, I thought it was a joke, kind of wrote it off for a bit, and then I YouTube that shit and <laughs> I saw the their full on fucking video and then Travis Barker behind it. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> what the fuck happened? The goat came out, man. I seriously felt like in Step Brothers when they get told they have to go to therapy and move out of the house. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> I got a belly full of white dog shit. <laughs> Like, this shit on me <laughs> like that's really how i felt i saw that um <laughs> but yeah i mean yeah it's just wild sad <laughs> kudos to darius rucker though yeah you know it, it was kind of funny though with with his whole thing because he was like a fucking superstar in the 90s yeah and then now he's like a prominent country artist like i mean he's i'm pretty sure at this point he's had more singles more number ones as a country artist than he did with Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah. Good old Hootie. Good old Hootie. Dude, I fucking love that Key and Peele thing, though. <laughs> so you're telling me you're not Hootie. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, after we're done recording, I'm going to watch that. It's so good. <laughs> so what do you think? Is MGK better off as a pop punk artist? Do you feel like Eminem was a little too harsh on him? Do you prefer the Beastie Boys pre-licensed to ill? (laughs) (laughs) Or do you think, you know, Maroon 5 made the right choice with making Adam Levine the face and basically, you know, putting everyone else in the shadows and behind him? Get at us on our social media accounts, facebook.com slash R-A-T-M podcast, Instagram and Twitter at R-A-T-M podcast, YouTube search Rage Against the Mainstream podcast. And if all else fails... R-E-T-M podcast at gmail.com. Let's get into our personal suggestions for this week. I'll start off. All right. Dicking around on Spotify, and I believe it was like 90s drive playlist or whatever. It's a good setup. Yeah, just like something that's just playing. Um, I came across this song called Sister by the band called The Nixons off their 1995 album FOMA. It's funny because like what caught my attention initially was it sat the singer or the vocalist sounded like Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, this really sounds like a fucking Matchbox 20 song. And it's just funny because this came out in the early 90s. Like this was like a like a predecessor to Matchbox 20. I mean, obviously there's no one in the band that's the same. But um it was just kind of funny that like I heard this song and it's almost like Matchbox 20, like, completely ripped these fucking guys off. 
That's like I'm I'm telling you, man. That that's an episode in itself, man. How many B list didn't make it artists, but good yeah. enough to have albums available on these networks? Did yeah, dude. I never I never heard of the Nixons before. To this day, I will find it. But Carcass ripped off Decap Attack. Yeah, I'm gonna find out the truth here. All right, I feel the same way about some of our beloved artists from the '90s. Totally torn to shreds in modern time. Damn shame. So I'm gonna because it's October. I tried to do this last year, but we didn't get as many episodes in. And I just looked. I only was able to get two Halloween themey albums or songs on there. Um, but I'm gonna start off and try to continue this for the month. The first album I'm going to recommend is called Saturnalia of the Accursed. It's basically a compilation album by Argyle Goolsby. Okay. Argyle Goolsby was the bassist and then later on solo artist uh, from the band Blitzkid, as well as performing with Dr. Chud and Dr. Chud's X-Ward, but very good for the horror punk genre. The uh, song I'm going to recommend is called The Being. <laughs> nice. Now, is this the same Argyle that was driving around John McClane in Die Hard? Maybe. 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 With a big anteater or teddy bear in the backseat of the limo? Maybe. (laughs) How do you feel about Die Hard? (laughs) (laughs) Hit us up on our... Yeah. (laughs) Hit us up on our social media accounts. Uh, Instagram and Twitter at RATM Podcast. Facebook.com slash RATM Podcast. YouTube search Rage Against Mainstream Podcast and RETM Podcast at gmail.com. But until then, <laughs> this is another episode of Rage Against the Mainstream Podcast for the books. As always, I'm Bill. I'm Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thank you for listening.